You are listening to the Gen Zen Broadcasting System. It's time! It's time for High Spots and Cheap Hops for the Intelligent Wrestling Fan. And now here are your hosts, Vlad the Impaler and Silicon Steve Valley. Hi, Spots and Cheap Pops, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, Silicon Steve Valley bringing you some of the best insight on professional wrestling on the planet today. And it, this is no different. It is a Thursday, and you know what that means. It's an AEW Dynamite review day. And I will tell you what, not a crazy episode overall. Uh, I was extraordinarily entertained by the main eventers. I was extraordinarily entertained by the Christian Kenny Omega a spot i was really entertained by the jericho and mjf spot and i was really entertained by the cm punk spot so those were the best spots for me even though there was no wrestling in those opportunities the actual wrestling was probably the weakest part of the show overall but uh, let's do let's start with the lead thing first thing i want to talk about which is probably my favorite part of the episode Rumors have been swirling even before CM Punk was around. The rumors are swirling that Brian Danielson, formerly known as Daniel Bryan, who was formerly known as Brian Danielson, is going to make his AEW debut allegedly September 22nd at the Grand Slam uh, Dynamite that I'm actually going to be at. So is the Impaler. Silicon Steve Valley, Impaler, High Spots, and Cheap, Cheap Pops will both be in attendance for that particular moment. So we're hoping that it will be the debut. But why this pertains, if you did not catch last night's episode, CM Punk, in the midst of his call-response type stuff, some kind of Pavlovian stuff that happens often in the wrestling game, does CM Punk still have it? Can CM Punk still be the best in the world? Et cetera. Et cetera, et cetera. And for the first time ever that I remember, AEW crowd did a yes chant, which is synonymous with Daniel Bryan and the yes movement and everything that happened about seven or eight years ago. And CM Punk, who is just dynamite, no pun intended on the mic, he says, hey, that's somebody else's shtick. You might have to be a little bit more patient. So basically dropping the fact that Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson will be in AEW. Not that we were really worried about that. It is a fait accompli. He was taken off the WWE roster and the WWE alumni. So obviously Bryan Danielson wanted to pursue other things, the WWE. And he's been doing WWE for a long time. And yeah, there are parameters. So that was a great spot. CM Punk cut a very, very good promo. Did not really bring up. Vince all that much with the exception of alluding to how Darby Allen alluding to that Darby Allen is kind of like CM Punk does not fit the mold of what people think a wrestler should look like that might have been a veiled dig at Vince McMahon but it's not just Vince it's a lot of people that feel that way it's not just Vince so I don't I think it's a a very archaic and limiting view but i digress so that happened and cm punk 
excellent job. You could tell he was honored because I don't think he was ever interviewed by Tony Schiavone before. And if it has been, it certainly was a minute and a half. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think it was an honor for both of those guys to get in the ring and get together. And that was a really good moment. Again, moments. CM Punk's going to bring a bunch of moments. And when he has a live mic, literally could say whatever the hell he wants. He has no fucks to give, as they say. Look on Steve Valley bringing you the review of AEW Dynamite and everything else that's going on in the world of professional wrestling. And the biggest lead we also wanted to leave, and which I did not mention in the very brief one. And another sighting of a... And another sighting of some initials on CM Punk's boots. Or shoes, rather, sneakers. So on CM Punk's sneakers... And this time it was BW. Now, you have to wonder. A lot of people are making the speculation. Last week was AC for Adam Cole. This week was BW for Bray Wyatt. Now, I don't know. This, this could be complete. I mean, I know CM Punk. He got he thinks way outside the box. So I could see that being the case, but I'm not sure. Why would you go with Bray Wyatt? Post maybe you know somebody else. Now maybe he is doing that a la Eddie Vedder did to Kurt Cobain when Kurt Cobain died, did his case, you know, did his KC uh tribute to him on Saturday Night Live at the end of the night of that of their appearance on that. So it could have been a very similar thing, and he could be doing it as an homage to characters who had great potential in WWE and death. Or I don't know. I don't know what CM Punk's got cooking with that. If that is the case, though, and he continues to allude to all these, no, just all these Easter eggs that just build to the anticipation of a fan, what AEW has started to do has connected so well because these Easter eggs, without the big announcements, it, it really builds this anticipation. And what AEW does is they'll leak something way ahead of time. Usually, CM Punk was a little bit rushed. But there were things, if it's leaked, they usually don't do it right away. Daniel Bryan dropped a couple of weeks, you know, a couple months ago now, maybe about a month and a half ago now, that Brian, that Brian Danielson was coming to AEW. And he still hasn't arrived. Sting was rumored in the fall of last year, didn't arrive early fall, actually all out. He was rumored to be coming to AEW to back Darby out. He didn't make an appearance until December 3rd, the same night that Kenny Omega beat Moxley for the title. So with that being said, and I think this is very, very important. With that being said, AEW really tries to keep us on our toes. And I think you're going to see some really cool things in the future. It's just you're starting to see things unfold. And it's like we want to see it all right now. We want to be able to binge watch everything that they're doing, but they're doing it in real time and they're doing it live on television. So it's, we can't do it that way. You know what I mean? If I put the Ozarks on and they come on, I can watch 10 shows in a row and I'll be fine. Just a little bit of methamphetamine coffee. We're good, but they can't do that with pro wrestling. And that's, what's kind of cool. It's kind of a throwback kind of entertainment, which you don't get too often these days. You really don't either way. I digress. So AEW dynamite kicks off. Great match, I thought. It was a comedy match. It's Orange Cassidy and Matt Hardy. And these guys just entertained the shit out of me. Uh, it, was, it was a pretty rough match, too. Matt Hardy's busted wide open. Uh, starts out 
with kind of the comedy portion of the of the match where Matt Hardy, after Starrs Cassidy did his pocket thing, Matt Hardy goes into his pocket, pulls out some money, and waves it. Then start the match. Cassidy hits him with the drop kick, and the money goes flying all over the match. So great job on that part of the match. I'm sure that was a Matt Hardy thing. So then, then the match was off to the races, and Matt Hardy got busted open. They went to the outside. Orange Cassidy tried hitting a, a two a, a two pay super two pay two two pay super suicide suicide dive. For those of you who watched Bret Hart, just kidding. That's Caliber. I want to give a shout out to Alex Caliber, by the way. Easily the best play-by-play guy in the business right now. I know a lot of people like Kevin Kelly, but uh, I'm an ex-caliber guy, man. The, he, the insight he brings in. And which alludes me to, to what how he was selling this match. So what you gotta love about Excalibur, Hardy gets toward the end of the match, he gets busted wide open. And it's a bad situation, and I'm sure it was not meant to happen because this match did not need blood. Um, and Excalibur things start bringing up how blood loss will pay some dividends for Orange Cassidy in the match. So that was well done. And then when Hardy was going for his submission at the end of the match, wound up being one of the a pinning combination, pinning kind of legs up style. If you're, you know, when you want to get your lady or, or guy or me. Uh, and so Orange Cassidy turned it into a pinning combination, combination, including putting his hands in his pockets with that combination to secure it, actually. Putting his hands in his pockets actually made the pinning combination. So they work his gimmick into the finish of the match. And they do that a lot. That's what you got to love about Orange Cassidy matches. And this is the one thing that I don't think people understand when they see him, they think he's just a jerk off and rolls out of the ring, puts his hands in his pockets, doesn't talk much. That's not the case. This guy, you, and I noticed this. The first time I noticed this was against PAC in at revolution. And that was the first time I noticed that orange Cassidy matches actually go places. Um, the six-man matches is all I was really akin to. And six-man matches, I didn't like because what have I been watching? Six-man, I have such a bad taste in my mouth for six-man tag matches. But then I started watching six-man tag matches in New Japan. And then you realize the purpose that they serve. It's to get all the different characters over, have a fun match, but you're not going to usually have a classic. So if you don't go in with that expectation, then you're good. But you can have classics. And I really hope AEW gets a, a, a six-man title at some point i think that would be an outstanding idea and i think kenny omega alluded to that before so i know jim ross hates titles but a six man if you can make it a good division which i think going to my point that kind of style in new japan pro wrestling and that kind of style in aew i think would work but when you watch a six-man tag or a four-man tag or how about one of those five those ten-man tags Eight-man tags, oh, my God, I get a headache, and especially if it's WWE because the way they book them is just, again, cookie cutter. So I have a really bad taste in my mouth for anything more than a tag team match. But AEW has brought that part of tag team wrestling back, too. It's really professional wrestling, a, a absolute gumbo of professional wrestling that you have going on in AEW. So with Orange Cassidy doing that, he gets his victory, and I believe that might be the blow-off of the best friends or it's HOF or HFO Hardy family office, office family, family office. There we go. 
So uh, after that, go on a break, and then they go on to what I was surprised wasn't later in the night, or I was surprised it didn't open the show, frankly, because I think after you have CM Punk, clearly there's going to be more viewers this week. I think what would have been cool is, and it's nitpicking a little bit, but I think it would have been cool if you opened with this opposed to the Cassidy AEW match. But I actually love the Cassidy and AEW, uh, the Cassidy Matt Hardy match. So I don't have a, much of a problem with it. I know a couple people have. Look, Tony Khan is a believer of let's get the crowd off to a hot start. Show. It's a show. Like, let's give the people, let's give you some good dynamic in your booking. And I think Tony's getting better in that every single week. And I know one of his go-tos is typically starting out with a, with a white hot baby face. He did it with Hangman Page several times. He did it with Orange Cassidy several times. He's done it with the Young Bucks with their baby faces. So, or or you start off with that red hot heel, like the, like the Young Bucks. So Tony Khan gets the crowd into it early, and he, that's what he thinks he, should, he 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 did here. So I had very little problem with that. I thought it was a great match. Jericho comes out, and I was predicting this. And folks, if you did not have not been listening to this podcast. This was a prediction I said three three or four or five months ago. MJF might be the guy who retires Jericho, at least in, in the short term. Jericho is going back on the road with Fozzie, so he is taking some time off. I guess he'll still be there on Friday nights because he did say last night he'll go to the booth and be on a rampage. So Jericho comes out to that point. Jericho comes out, cuts a promo, a very impassioned promo, and people are asking, why do you care so much about MJF being better, you know, beating you three times? You're at your Chris Jericho. And then he basically says, it's because I'm Chris Jericho. It's because I'm Chris Jericho that I have to do it. So Jericho laid it on the line, similar to the inner circle, which kind of builds to his psychology. Let's put the pressure on so we can get the win. So it, it adds to that part of the story. And I know a lot of people cannot stand this feud. and They just want it to be over. I think this feud, when it has... Focus on primarily on Jericho and MJF has been very good. I know the Impaler is just annoyed with it. I think they did the cool inner circle pinnacle thing. But I think the big blow off of the big story is MJF and Chris Jericho. And by the way, this MJF Chris Jericho story, I believe it was the, the dynamite after full gear, the very first full gear. Jericho and MJF had a promo together and they were flirting with maybe MJF joining the inner circle. Of course, a year later, he does join the inner circle. So this storyline is two years old, folks, like literally two, you know, what, 18 months old. So I think people are really being a little hard on this feud. And I, and I'm going to probably take the impaler to task tonight when we do our podcast, our, our long form podcast. But I think this feud is really, really amped up. And anytime I get an MJF promo, which I've gotten one every single week, I'm in good spirits. And this was probably the best promo after Jericho set challenged and Jericho had laid down the gauntlet and said, if he can't beat Max, he will never wrestle in AEW again. So essentially MJF would be retiring Jericho as a full-time player. He's never going to be a full-time player again. I don't think he might have interest to go back to WWE though. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Jericho's impact on what he's been to AEW if this is really the end today. But MJF comes out, cuts a fan, just an 
absolute great promo. His music, his presentation, wearing this beautiful shirt that says MJF3, Jeroblo Zero. And MJF is every promo he cuts is fucking perfect. I mean, there might be a flub, like you might be able to catch a flub like here and there over his entire career. But every time he's out there, he's so perfect. And so MGF comes out and cuts this promo. And I will, this is, this is, and I'm going to do it quote by quote. And I'm giving full credit to alleliteWrestling.com. MGF comes out and he says, this is getting embarrassing, Christopher. Why can't you just leave me alone? I see right through you. Over a year ago, you saw my Meteor. meteor. Probably not fuck it up. He basically comes out and says, guess what, Chris? Your cash cow is all tapped out. My udders are sore, which I thought was a great line. And then he said, being able to to say I tapped out Chris Jericho is cool, but being able to say I ended Chris Jericho, that's legendary. And he said, if you want the match, you've got it. And then he basically told Jericho to really think about this. He goes, are you sure you want this? And with everything going on in Jericho's career and all this influx of new talent, with many of which Jericho already worked with, this might be the time to at least take a solid six months to a year off. So I think this might go the way of of MJF winning this, but we're going to get into that later tonight. That's how that goes. And so then we went to the final semifinal match in the Tag Team Eliminator Tournament. Winner getting a shot at the Young Bucks inside a steel cage at all out. And despite the fact where the Lucha Brothers, they do go over and beat the Varsity Blondes with their typical, I mean, they just had another amazing tag team flurry, hit the pile driver at the end to win it. And as I am certainly more interested in seeing a Lucha Brothers match, probably over a Varsity Blonde match with the Young Bucks, I have to say I'm a little disappointed with the tag teams that were involved in in being that we have seen Lucha Brothers and Jurassic Express both face the Young Bucks a lot. Jurassic Express just had a tag team championship match like two weeks ago on Ramp. No, the, the debut episode of Rampage. So it's not even two weeks ago. So I don't really like that. And then Lucha Brothers, I think they've actually wrestled the Young Bucks on pay-per-view twice already. Not that it's a big deal, but you got a ton of tag teams in this division that you could be highlighting a little bit more, and I, I just think they're not spreading the wealth a little bit. And I'm not sure, you know, is, if we get a Lucha Brothers Young Bucks steel cage match, all right. It's just part of their history that they're going to continue, which I do love that. So I'm hoping that's what would be the case, and maybe that there, and then maybe that would be what happens. Young Bucks, though, are the biggest heels as they were there. And then when they called out and tried to provoke the two tag teams from fighting each other after the Lucha Brothers match, they both turned on the Young Bucks, attacked them, and then they walked out. And then the Young Bucks skedaddled as the four competitors of Rampage's Eliminator Tournament final stood atop, absolutely looking glorious. So I didn't mind it. But I don't want to see Jurassic Express in that match. It's good because then, and I think that's what they're going to do. 
I mean, I definitely think that's what's going to put asses in more seats. Again, Jurassic Express just got a tag title shot. But the other thing, though, is Pack and Penta, they got a tag title shot like a couple months ago. So that's why I'm, I'm kind of questioning the booking in the tag division right now, folks. I really, I hate to say it. I hate to say it, but it's a reality. I really question this booking, what they're doing with this. They could have done something a little bit more. I mean, I guess they're waiting for the F. The hopefully they're waiting for FTR and Proud and Powerful to, to Seattle so they can start getting involved with the tag team situation because those are two. They're probably the two other best tag teams in the, on the planet, other than Lucha Brothers and the and the Young Bucks. So there's that. So that setup's getting a little bit more juice. But check out Rampage, and you'll know who the Young Bucks are facing inside a steel cage at. AEW all out. And then in what wasn't a very good match, Red Velvet and Jamie Hayter. And not a fan. They just they had a couple botches. Wasn't a great match at all. And then Britt Baker is just so over as a baby face, but she does these heels things. And so they're really trying to go against the grain and saying, No, I'm doing this. All you got to do is have her feud with a couple of heels, too. And then you're good. She could be a tweener. I think Britt Baker is a tweener. And then interesting development with the Dark Order had then taken place. By the way, Jamie Hayter wins that one, and they beat the shit out of Red Velvet. And then the Ouch match I'm looking forward to. Chris Statlander came in for the save. Obviously, they're trying to set up the Britt Baker-Chris Statlander match for All Out. Then we go backstage. Very interesting development that seemed to be percolating up a little bit more. It did not subside. I was kind of thinking it might blow over, but not at all. Alex Reynolds is taking at the forefront here with some dissension against Evil Uno. And with that dissension, Evil Uno turned very mean, and he said something to the effect of, you better do what you're told, get back where you belong in John Silver's shadow. And then that just looked like it dejected the whole group, including five, who actually seemed like he was weeping, and he said, we're supposed to be a family. I just hope it's not the end of the Dark Order as we know it. I think it is. So, if that's the case, and we're never going to have that Dark Order again, this is to you, Preston Manson. I love you, buddy. You know, he's probably a lot younger than me in much better shape. I watched him. Great, now we can talk about CM Punk. CM Punk made his first dynamite appearance, and we already talked about it at the top of the show. Absolutely brilliant. Certainly called out. Darby Allen didn't call him out, gave him his props. Uh, just repeating some of the things I've heard him say about Darby Allen previously. Prior to that, he actually said it on the media scrum as well. So I think this is just a great opportunity for CM Punk to really sink his teeth into something and start off slut. You can tell his story, a moderate story that you don't have to go crazy about. 
and have a really great match. I'm sure at the end of the night, it's going to be a respect at the end of that match. It'll be a respectful finish. I certainly anticipate CM Punk winning, but Darby Allen has got to be feeling like he's living a dream right now. And again, Darby Allen just continues to be the epitome of, of AEW. And they gave him a push. He gave him an opportunity and he seized it. You know what? The guy's over like Rover now. It's not that, oh, that's the guy who Sting's managing now. Oh, Sting, that's the guy who manages Darby Allen. It's becoming like that. So, also, uh, CM Punk, as obvious as we talked to the top of the show, best part, he said, why am I back? Because of all those guys, I got to see if I can still go. Can I still be the best in the world? Yes, Chance. He said, that's some other guy's shtick, and you might have to be a little patient. Brian Danielson is coming to AEW. I mean, we already knew it, but it's just now the, the feels are coming. We are we are less than a month away from the speculated debut. Again, High Spots and Cheap Pops will be there, and we will do a podcast from that area to pregame for AEW Dynamite in Arthur Ashe Stadium, the Grand Slam event they have on September 22nd. We had uh, the trios match, which very entertaining. And it did finish with Danny Garcia heading for higher ground after a, after a, a coffin drop pin from Darby Allen. Good entertaining match. And again, they continue to build the relationship between Moxley, Kingston, Darby, and, and Sting. And Prediction, I very much anticipate Kingston and John Moxley turning heels. I don't know if it'll, I would say, when I say soon, I say within the next six months. I'm not saying the first three months. I'm just putting it out there. So remember, August 26th, 2021, Kingston and Moxley are turning heel on Sting and Darby Allen. Mark it in the bank. Why would they keep on tagging with them? Seriously, serials. Serials. And also the crowd loves it. It's a great fun time. You have two, four big time baby faces. Everybody loves having a good old time together. It's just waiting for a new, who out of those four, which team do you think is turning heel? The only argument you would have against it is that kinks had just turned baby face, but it is what it is. What it is. I think that Moxley wants to be a straight heel for a while and he probably wants to run with one of his best friends and have a great time they want they want to be tag team champions that might be something moxley is interested in right now. so then great segment i love this aew world champion one of my favorite wrestlers for the last five years kenny oh by god omega don Callis, brandon cutler and michael nakazawa and by the way brandon cutler i have rooted for this guy since i knew his story and I remember his first day on the very first Dynamite, it didn't go well. He dusted himself off. He did have a quite a losing streak, but um, he told a great story with that losing. I know everyone, if you didn't see it, because it was predominantly on Dark and BTE, if you didn't see that story between he and Peter Avalon, it was actually really good. Um, it was these the two losers, one guy begging the one to cheat, the other one saying, no, he can't cheat, both trying it their own different ways. They never got their victory. They were called the initiative. And then obviously they had the blow off. Brandon Cutler gets his victory. He's the first one to a victory out of the two. And I really like what they are doing with Cutler now. 
to make him kind of the stooge for the the young bucks. I keep on wanting to call them the Hardys. I don't know why. The young bucks and the elite. And I love it. He has this gimmick with this with the spray while he's beating someone down. He's still spraying them with it. It's just it's absolutely freaking hilarious. So they come out and with Tony Schiavone and Don Callis cuts a decent promo. Christian Cage comes out. They allude to Christian Cage being fired by Don Callis 27 years ago. And the best part of this whole thing for me, honestly, folks, was Kenny Omega had a response to Christian Cage. But Christian was like, you know, I don't know what's more weird. I don't know what's weirder, Don. You manipulating a 10-year-old Kenny Omega or an adult Kenny Omega is still allowing it to happen. And Kenny Omega perfectly. Hey, you think you know me? You think you know me? <laughs> Fucking total rip on edge, dude. See, people don't understand. There's all these little subtle Easter eggs that Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks put in everything that they do. And if you're not paying attention, you might not think Kenny's that good. But if you're paying attention to know what he's doing, you know how friggin' good he is. And this is certainly that point. Christian Cage was outstanding on the mic. I love because when Christian Cage came out and it looked like it was going to go back when it was Jungle Boy and he in that battle royal to get a shot at Kenny Omega. And they were booing Christian Cage during that finish. So luckily, Jungle Boy went over. You really thought, I was like, oh, my God, I hope they don't have Christian Cage win because that would be a disaster in terms of booking because you want him to be a babyface and he's getting booed. It would be a Roman Reigns, you know, finish. Circa 2015 or 2016, 2015. When he was in Philadelphia, famously booed while The Rock was holding his hand up in the air. It would have been like that, but luckily Jungle Boy did get the victory, and then Christian became the mentor, and now more of a leader to Jurassic Express. So that's one thing you look for. And what they did with that is they did they gave him, and it really wasn't believable he could be Kenny Omega. And then he and Kenny had an absolute throwdown on the debut of Rampage. Christian wins with Kenny, protecting Kenny anyway because he did use a chair outstanding job uh, and now christian cage is, is a main eventer they booked him where they needed to do but if they booked him the short way the quick way the way we know what a certain company does often it doesn't get booked right and they but they maneuvered this with christian cage now to where he is a viable main eventer and people are cheering him and happy and he's and that means they're more into what he's saying so when he says his clitter clitter shit when he says his quick retorts, now the crowd will pop. Now the crowd will be more into it. And I thought they've done a fantastic job, an absolute brilliant job of getting Christian Cage over from where they were at the end of the, of the, of the Casino Battle Royal back at Double or Nothing to where they, where they have him now main eventing Kenny Omega. It was probably a match Kenny wanted and Christian wanted for a while. Let's do it. Get it out of the way. The thing is about AEW, it's like, okay, we got time. They're not force-feeding these stories that we know are just right there for the taking. This is definitely a part of it. You're getting a really good program with Christian Cage and Kenny Omega, which when it started, folks, I did not like. I was like, I even said, there's no way Christian Cage is is going to main event all out. He's not there yet. 
And then just a few weeks of booking, couple interviews, couple of vignettes, and a match. Christian Cage is right there, and I am into this story. There is no way he's beating Kenny at all out, obviously, but it definitely has me more excited about this match because now he already has a win over Kenny. It makes it a little bit more believable, but I would I would doubt that heavily if he would win that, obviously. Uh, John Moxley in the back cut a balls to the wall promo, and he's going to face on Satoshi Kojima. Announced at All Out, and he is a Japanese legend. I'm not super familiar with him because I've only been watching the last five years or so, six years or so of Japanese wrestling because of Kenny Omega and the Bullet Club. So, but apparently he's a legend, but he's relatively mature in age. Gun Club and Austin, Billy, and the goddamn Goldberg of AEW, Colton Gun. <coughs> Colton Gunn, after this match, is going to be 27-0. and 0. Holy shit. Why does this guy have a belt around him? But, yes, the 27... I mean, uh-oh. It's Colton Gunn. <laughs> Every time Colton Gunn is spoken of, and if he's still undefeated, we're going to do that from now on. Colton Gunn remains undefeated as the man, Colton Gunn himself, gets the pin on QT Marshall, who was distracted by Paul White sitting out back, not really jazzed about anything going on in this thing at all, except for Colton Gunn and, and the Goldberg. I am actually, by the way, not this is a shoot. I am a huge fan of Austin Gunn. I think he's an extraordinarily talented kid, and I think he's going to be big one day. I can't wait till he turns on his jerk-off family. Just kidding. Just kidding. But uh, he's, he's a great rapper. He's uh, he's got he's got it. He has it. I think I think he has it more than any other member of the Gun Club. They're both very talented. So I, I think Austin Gunn is the guy to look on that. And that little faction, just put it out there. And then what is now becoming absolute must-watch TV, Dan King Lambert comes out. Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page, he is now their manager, and he cuts an absolutely scorcher of a promo. Oh, my God. I didn't even know this guy existed until about a year ago because I don't watch UFC. Never was into it. It's too real. Uh and so he cuts a great promo. You definitely got to check it out. Not gonna, I'm not going to uh, do it. Not going to do it justice. He basically just cuts a promo on cancel culture and says that Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page are real men. Malachi Black and Brock Anderson. Brock Anderson in the main event of AEW is a little bit of a questionable situation, but it's not about Brock Anderson. It is about Malachi Black and him imposing his will over anybody remotely associated with. The Nightmare Club and the Nightmare Family, as an earlier promo, Malachi Black said that. And he basically said, and it was a great promo. And I wanted to wait to say it before the match before we get to it. Malachi Black comes out, and, he, early, and I think it was the second or third segment. It doesn't come out. He was, it was, it was, he was in the back in the House of Black, I'm assuming. And so 
he said, Brock, you're in over your head. You know it. Your dad knows it. So this is what's going to happen. And he cuts this just chill. I mean, the way he just chills you to the bone. He has a Jake Roberts vibe. And I'm really glad he's not yelling, pick a fight with me and accentuating his work letters anymore. That, that was fucking horrible. I hope that wasn't him that came up with that. Because now he cuts a promo and it's like, you're listening because you know, as he says, I'm a man of my words. He said it himself. So Malachi Black said, if you don't do that, and he, and he used the word idiocracy. Really great promo. I Again, I want you guys to go YouTube the promos. I want you guys to watch Dynamite. So I'm not going to give you everything that they said. But absolute chilling promo by Malachi Black setting up the later on in the night for the main event. And this was pretty much what you expected. And it still was great. Up until the end, I thought that was a little weird. But... If you did not watch this, his first entrance, I think they perfected his entrance. I think this entrance was even better than the last one. They added a little dynamic where the lights go when he's halfway down after the great rising. He rises up and he was very Undertaker-esque. He walks out, has that creepy mask on with a, with a mask underneath so you don't see his face. And when he comes out, as he's halfway down the aisle, lights go out. Then the lights go, then after a couple seconds, lights go back on. Malachi Black now standing on the second turnbuckle at the crowd. Lights go back out again, and the lights go back on, and then he's sitting Indian style in the middle of the ring. And this is all with a spotlight on. It is an extraordinary, an extraordinary entrance. It's just that simple. It really is. And what I like about it is he doesn't do it unless it's a match. So it's a main event. And Malachi Black now, and the, the crowd was so into him. I mean, he's getting cheered as he's kicking Aaron Anderson in the face. In fact, the Brock after he finished, he kicked Brock Anderson in the face. It was a quick match. It was pretty much over as soon as Malachi Black, he hit a knee early. Uh, Brock put up a little bit of a fight early. He attacked Malachi but after Malachi got his footing, it was over. Black Mass and the crowd absolutely popped and went nuts for the Black Mass. And it was a powerful looking one. The kid absolutely sold it great. He obviously he's not, he's not, you know, I, I got a complaint and I saw a couple people complaining Brock Anderson's in the main event. He wasn't the main event here. Malachi Black is the main event. It's not, Malachi Black is so over right now and they're trying to make him such have such a mystique him just being there with the additional story of Arn Anderson and some kind of weird rivalry that Malachi Black is doing with Arn Anderson it's just it, it, it I, that's the main event you have to look at it that way you're not looking at Brock Anderson Brock Anderson versus no Malachi Black's gonna fuck somebody up and it's the main event and it's gonna be good enough where you're gonna watch it right so let's, let's not beat up fucking Brock Anderson for getting an opportunity to do a job. He didn't shine, folks. It was a squash match. So let's not go crazy. Now you can say, well, Cody was a squash match. True. But that wasn't a squash match, squash match. That was a squash match. That is telling a much bigger part of a story between Cody and what have you. Brock Anderson is a footnote to the story. Cody, Cody 
is the main event and will be the guy who redeems himself against Malachi Black. Maybe. But after the, fir- after the first Black Mass, he walked around Brock Anderson and the crowd was chanting one, one more time, one more time, chanting for Malachi Black to absolutely eviscerate Brock Anderson's head off of his shoulders. And great job by Malachi Black here. He's trying to be a heel. He's not trying to be an over, an over, a babyface heel. He wants to be a guy who gets fear down your spine and can knock you out like that. That's what he's going for. So it may have been in the cards for him to do it. I, the way I read it, he hit him once, and then the crowd chanted for one more. I think Malachi Black might have pinned him there because if he pins him then it'll be feeding into the fans i don't think he's trying to go for that and at least they they, they did it so they did a good job but after he pins him arn anderson gets in the ring he hops on the top turnbuckle crowd i mean just the this guy has it as it has a jake roberts presence with a extraordinary athletic acumen and extraordinary fighting background acumen He has a hybrid of The Undertaker, Jake Roberts, but he has a way, just the way, but he definitely has something going. And I'm trying to think, even his offensive attack, I'm not, it's just different. Now that you see this guy completely out being himself, it's extraordinary. I think Malachi Black was not a guy that you thought of when, when you taught, started talking about all these releases and all the defections and plus CM Punk coming back. Malachi Black was not your top two or three that you're, you're salivating over. You're thinking Bray Wyatt. You're thinking CM Punk. You're thinking Daniel Bryan. And Malachi Black has shown you in a very quick way that he is a major main event player where he is literally an attraction that just him alone and the Anderson name alone main event in a show. You can argue what have you, but I'm just really over the top on Malachi black. I think this is absolutely fucking brilliant, what he's doing right now. And his from everything from his debut to the vignettes, we are seeing something special right now, folks. And if you haven't been paying attention to Malachi black, and if you're a, if someone who hasn't watched AEW, if you like Aleister Black even a tenth of what you think he, he could have been, check out this guy. Just you just go on YouTube, check out Malachi Black. It's absolutely ridiculous what this dude is doing, and what way have they have booked this guy? Overall, after the match, after he pins the young Anderson, the old Anderson comes in, and there was a moment where before the match was over, Malachi Black challenged Arn Anderson to throw in the towel, and Arn Anderson almost did, but he did not. So after the match, the pin, Arn goes in there, and Malachi Black goes back, leaves the ring, looks like he was leaving. I didn't think so because it was too quick. You know, Malachi Black, if he's going to leave in that instance, it's going to be, I'm leaving slowly. You're going to notice me. He hopped out, got a steel chair, brought it back in. And Arn Anderson said, put the chair down and I'll fight it. So he puts the chair down, goes for a black mass. Arn Anderson blocks the black mass. 
And then Malachi Black, total scumbag move, heel, kicks Arn Anderson right in the balls. Arn Anderson stays on his feet, and then Black backs on Arn Anderson. It was really great. I was like, oh, that looked like it hurt, too. And I thought the night could have went off air right there. Then they bring out Shoddy Johnson or Shoddy Jones. What's his name? Soul Chain Jones. Oh, Shoddy Johnson. I was right. Shoddy Johnson. Lee Johnson, Shoddy Lee Johnson comes out and scares Malachi Black off and they go off air. So Lee Johnson standing tall to end Dynamite. I guess this guy has some potential, but I certainly was not ready to see him close Dynamite. So that's my review, folks. A couple takeaways, having CM Punk on the television once or twice a week is going to be fucking incredible. Another takeaway, you want to, JR said in the broadcast, he did a long form interview with CM Punk, 60 minute style, I'm assuming. I am really looking forward to that. That is going to be part of the buy-in pre-show next week on TNT, directly following uh, AEW Rampage at 11 p.m. That's next Friday before All Out. Um, other takeaways, Malachi Black is amazing. We just talked about it. We're going to have Lucha Brothers and Jurassic Express. One of them will face the Young Bucks in a title match at All Out. Jericho is putting his career on the line, his AEW wrestling career on the line against MJF. At All Out as well. All Out, CM Punk, Darby Allen. I mean, All Out is really starting to build, folks. Moxley and an absolute legend from the, the Far East, Japan, as we know. And Satoshi Kojima is going to be the guy that Moxley pulled. I was hoping for Tanahashi, but I think New Japan is going to wait for Homeboy to go over to, to, to uh, the land of the rising sun, so to speak. Is that China? I had that guy. I hope that wasn't racist, but I didn't know. It's China. There we go. Perfect. But shouldn't it be Japan because they're further east? Or are they further west? Depends on where you're at. What? Anywho. So that's what we got here, folks. Hi, Spots of Cheap Pops. This is Silicon One, Steve Alley. Try to drop off some WWE AEW news every single day. We'll be back tomorrow with the long form podcast with the impaler and myself this has been high spots and cheap pop news podcast with your aw dynamite review for august the 25th 2021 thank you so much for listening this is silicon steve alley we'll talk to you guys later